welcome to More Than Myths. Welcome to More Than Myths. Welcome to More Than Myths, you guys. Welcome. Uh, every week we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about, and it's usually related to some kind of fantasy, folklore, conspiracy, or nonsense. So Basically. welcome. Welcome. How are you? To this show. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I was going to say shit show. Kind of. But well, it's you're not, not wrong. a shit show. It's no. just a shit show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun <laughs> shit show. It is a fun shit show. It's the best kind of shit show. (laughs) (laughs) I just Uh, uh, finished eating dinner and I made meatloaf muffins and like legit homemade mashed potatoes with like half a cup of butter. You know, like homegrown American stick to your bones food. Fill you up, right? Yeah. And I like couldn't stop eating it. It was so yummy. Oh, that sounds delicious. So, I wouldn't want to stop eating it either. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, you can eat all these, right? No, no, you should not. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, yeah, that's what I'm just wrapping up. Very nice. Now. Christopher's making dinner right now. So, we're having chicken parmesan with asparagus. Ooh, yum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Do you guys normally eat dinner late? you late eaters um it depends sometimes sometimes i try not to have us eat too late because i get grouchy and i have to apologize (laughs) for the things i say when i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) i hear you yeah we try not to but sometimes it's you know it's just how it plays out which that's fine we don't care yeah we snack enough i had we got the little tiny peppers Mm mm-hmm Instead of the big ones, and I filled them up with some cream cheese and everything but the bagel seasoning. Mm-hmm. I wanted to eat the whole fucking bag. You're <laughs> like, this is fine. So good. Yeah. I haven't tried good. that, but yeah, it's those good. mini peppers, I always forget I have them until they're rotten. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's yeah. Honestly, my whole relationship with vegetables, I really like vegetables, mm-hmm. but I don't think about eating them in a quick scenario right like i don't mm. think about snacking on them and so yeah. they just always go bad so we got some of the containers Ugh. the i think they're called air vent something or others they're at costco of course mm-hmm. um of course and they're they're not big enough to fit in the drawer so they mm-hmm. have to be out so i have to see them so i know that i have healthy snacks oh good okay yeah maybe i'll check those out yeah i'm sure they're on amazon for you know, yeah, not as much. And there's a bunch of different kinds. and But these ones are cool because on the lid, it tells you if you should have the air vents on the side open or if you should put some water in the bottom. So with the asparagus that we have, we just put a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. You know, trying to do healthy stuff. I've never heard of that. Yeah, they're really. They're really great. They're really, really great. They're yeah. really great. Yeah. I was really excited about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I had something to tell you. What's your new book story? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> okay, so we were at Half Price Books 
naturally. My second uh, home. Uh, <laughs> I know. Are you surprised? Are you sponsoring us yet? Are you? Because oh, you should. We talk Driving. about you a lot. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, there was like, we walked in there and someone had brought in huge boxes of books. And Chris comes over to me and he's like, I have a surprise for you. There are a book series in hardcover that I know you're going to want. I was like, okay. He's like, it's the entire Wheel of Time series. And they're in perfect condition. I was like, <gasps> lead the way. Lead the way. Oh, my God. So we went over and... They pulled them aside and priced them out for me. And I was like, hang on. I have other books that I'm going to trade in. So it'll bring my price down. Because some of them are a little bit more. Yeah. So I got three through 14. All hardcovers. And it's all the original art that I have on my softcover books. I'm so excited, but I, oh I God. also, so do you have a complete set of hardcovers now or do I'm missing you still two. Need one and two? I need one. There's a, so there's a prequel and then one and two. So I just need the prequel one and two. OMG. I'm really excited. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. No, I feel, I feel that. And they're all first editions. Of- Oh what? Yeah, like so when the hardcover was released, yeah, this they're is all what it was. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, in they're good condition. Per- they're in Haley. Condition. Oh, they're in Haley word condition. Yeah, <laughs> which is mint. <laughs> mint. Yeah, nothing but yeah. mint for Haley. Yeah, Chris made a video about it, and I'll might post it on the Instagram. I'll send it to you for sure, but. <laughs> You should definitely share it. Our curious friends know you are. It's also a little embarrassing because it shows the massive amount of books that I have stacked places. So shouldn't it be? <laughs> uh, Haley's house is like a library. It is like a library. They have shelves and shelves and shelves and book carts. Mm-hmm. And then like their living court, their living, like their TV is intermixed. And their mm-hmm. plants are intermixed, and their couch is buried. You can't even see their couch. Can't even see. We just sit, sit among the books. <laughs> sit She's among. lying. She's <laughs> exaggerating greatly. It's not just, that bad. Just a touch. <laughs> it's pretty close, but it's not. It's that. it's gotten more. It's gotten better because I just got rid of a whole bunch of books that I was never going to read. I wasn't ever not interested in them. Yeah, no. We got rid of three boxes of books, three bags of books, oh. whichever. Yeah, so. Uh, I feel better about that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. didn't realize you can turn in books that have price books too. Yeah. And they'll give you credit and then you can go crazy and buy the whole Wheel of Time series. <laughs> no wonder you have so many books. Although I don't see. Do you normally trade stuff in? If I don't like it, I'll you get rid of it. In. Yeah. Like, nah. No, I will. And if it's something that I'll never read again, I'll get rid of it. So I got rid of <laughs> A few, quite a few, quite a few. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I had one other thing, uh, order of business that I wanted to address with everyone. Haley and I have a support link that you can find on anchor.fm 
or you can also find it. I think we have it in our link tree we on do. Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if you are an avid listener, if you feel like you would love to help us um, eventually bring out merch or just the expenses that go into producing the podcast, we would be so grateful. You can donate as little to a dollar a month or up to whatever you feel like donating. So if you are interested in supporting us, check that out on our Instagram. I think it's also linked on Spotify underneath the show descriptions. Yeah. If you have the means, it's, you know, I, I believe it's as low as a dollar a month, which is 25 cents an episode. I mean, if you have an extra, you know, but only if you guys have the means. I mean, honestly, if you also don't, that's fine. If you can just follow and subscribe and tell your friends, that helps us so much. It does. It, 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 yeah, it means so much. It helps so much. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And yes, whatever you can do, if you can show up every week and that's what you can we offer us, it. we love you. We love Don't you. Don't change. A thing. You're perfect. You're perfect. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I was gifted a book this week that chose my topic for me. And I was really excited about it because I was like, oh my God, I get to do research in a book. Yeah. It's not like an encyclopedia, right? Uh-huh. Or, a, you know, hardcore history textbook, right? Uh-huh. So I was gifted this little gem called The Secret History of Mermaids and Creatures of the Deep. It's beautiful. And Scott, and it literal. has gems. Gems. <gasps> I love it. So I'm pretty sure it was meant like as a kids' book, but then it's also really like, oh yeah, that's cool. Really detailed. Yeah, I think I've seen one similar to that because it has the stuff inside that you can. Oh, I love interactive books. Yeah, it's you like can open the pages. pages. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. So I was like, okay. Well, I'll go into mermaids. You touched on fin folks in our first episode. Um, and <laughs> today is this book covers a lot. So it's it's by Professor Ari Burke, and he has multiple degrees in like folklore, Br- British folklore, a couple other things. So he's like been through the schooling. Mm-hmm for these topics and he think he has one on giants and also on another creature and he's got a few other books as well so so cool. anyway this was my reference for most of my research today and then i kind of just filled in with some separate research so there's a few pictures that i'm going to describe and also send to Haley so you guys can see some of the artwork that's from this book um but it's just super this is how I like to learn, you know, mm, yeah. bite-sized bits of information with some photo, you know, kind of article style. But yeah, easy to digest. So yeah, it was. I was really excited about it. I was like, okay, well, we're gonna do uh, mermaids. Also, I was gonna show Haley this book earlier this week and just spoil what I was gonna cover because I was really excited about the book, and Primi hit it. <laughs> My three-year-old stole it and was like <laughs> claiming it as her own. I was like, girl. That is not I need it. Yours. <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's what we're talking about today. Mermaids. I'm so excited. Yay! There we go. I love mermaids. Yeah, so this is K 
chaotic. <laughs> Just like we like. That's it. It's chaotic. It's fine. Um, so as I said, this was my primary source for this information. However, there are a couple things that I, you know, was reading online and so added in. Um, so you can check our my sources on our website. We update that as well. This first, this book is like an amalgamation of many different cultures and versions of mermaids. And he has a background in multiple types and kinds of mermaids. So we're going to talk about the overview of their origin and then some of what you might find in the deep. So first, let's talk about what mermaid means. So in Old English, mare means sea and maid means girl or young woman. So sea maid or sea girl. Um, there's also another word for them. It's called mergen, and it translates to seaborn. So oh. I kind of like that translation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there are also many guesses to how mermaids came to be. Just like there are guesses with the human race. There are guesses about how mermaids mm -hmm. came to be, right? So did mm -hmm. they, were they created? Were, is, was it evolution? Did they – I read one place that was like we split. So we are all kind of the same and then split. And mm -hmm. then like there was the – land creatures and the sea creatures mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that was a theory. Um, Charles Darwin, actually, before he published um, on the origin of species, um, speculated that humans actually uh, evolved from and through the stages of fish. Oh, okay. And so at some point there were fish people <laughs> instead okay. of apes, right? Sure. Um, this theory had been rejected, though. Um through his scientific community, mm. and he eventually moved on. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, however, mermaids are, so are thought to be the oldest of the secret races, and we're here long Ooh. before humans. Um, Ooh, so that gave me the, like, Ooh. I know. I read that, and I was like, oh, they are kind of a secret race. Yeah. You know, like, I've always kind of thought of them as, like, one-offs, like, kind yeah. of loners, right? Uh-huh. And that's really not how it goes. Mm. So anyway, um, let's talk about first one of the earliest depictions of mermaids. And that is a tar. A tar I literally practiced this like 80 times. A targatus. Um, she is called the bright one, the star of the sea or the sea mother. And she was said to have been the mother of all merfolk. And then her children traveled over the seas to establish different cultures and villages among the mermaids. Um, and that's why there are different representations of the same thing all around the world. Right. Gotcha. Um, she was her like origins. She's like, as I said, one of the earliest known writings mm -hmm. of mermaids. Um, and she was found in Syrian Greek and I practice this one too. Phoenicians, Phoenicians, writing. I don't know. Uh, Phoenician writings. Sure. Um, so then there's another one that I wanted to talk about, and that's Mama Wati, and she is a deity from West, South, and Central Africa, and mm. her name translated means Mother Water. Um, okay. So what I read about Ma Mama Wadi is that she can fill a lot of 
roles, but she is always, or she can be depicted as a mermaid as well. She's usually depicted as a half human, half fish, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she's also sometimes depicted as with snakes or like to represent being a snake charmer as well. Oh. So, yeah, she's really cool. She needs her own episode. Is it like Medusa? Like, or does she just have snakes like around her? Around her. Like, okay, gotcha. One, one description I read, again, I didn't spend a lot of time on it. So she really does need her own episode. Um, but one description I read is like in like anacondas are aquatic animals mm-hmm. as well. So it was like, okay, that kind of snake. Gotcha. Okay. The rivers of Africa and the oceans yeah. of Africa kind of representation. So gotcha. she represents many attributes such as provider, riches, healers, risks and challenges, fears and dangers. So she kind of has some good and good and bad quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um she was also very prevalent like as the slave trade began in the 1600s. Um and a lot of Mamawadi is still found in like Dominican Republic, Haiti and some of those islands where those slave yeah. trades were were happening the most. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um again, she needs her a whole episode because I yeah. like although everything I read about mermaids brought her up so I was like, cool. interesting. Okay. So um, now let's discuss what is a mermaid or a merman. Um, merman, dad. Merman. Sorry. <laughs> You're a nerd. <laughs> Sip. It's from a movie. I got it. I was just like, what do you mean? No. Oh. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Not it took me a second. <laughs> um. Okay, so usually mermaids are depicted as benevolent. They usually don't have anything really negative, but I also read a few places that you don't really want to be on a mermaid's bad side. Mm. So, for instance, if something is stolen from a mermaid, they are very possessive of their treasure. They'll come after you. So if you take something from them that's theirs, including, like, I read one place is like mermen are also really possessive of their wives. And so Mm. if something happens to them and they're taken to land, like they will come after you. You do not want mermaids of any kind coming Mm. after you. So don't wrong a mermaid is really the point. Like we've talked about already, they're half human, half fishes. Um, But in different places around the world, we have seen them depicted really differently. So this is where I'm going to kind of pull from this book and use my best descriptive language to explain excellent some of these photos because or, and some of the artwork because it's just kind of crazy. This is my favorite one, though. So um, first we have Cornish Merrymaids, and they are said to have a human torso, greenish hair, and fishtails. So pretty generic as yeah, far as we on think point mermaids. for a mermaid. Yeah. So this thing where they, they have this artwork, they would travel beneath their fish friends who were swimming okay, and hide underneath them. So from down, oh. when looking down into the water, humans couldn't see them. So That's in this cool. picture, she's swimming underneath a stingray with her arms stretched out, hiding under that. the stingray. And I, I was like, that. Holy crap, that's so cool. 
Um, so that's how they would travel shallow waters. That's amazing. Right. Um, uh, do, 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 do. Next, let's talk about deep sea merfolk because I never have heard of these before. Um, and yes, they are just as terrifying as they sound. <laughs> um, so they're, it's believed that there are different species of yeah. merma mermaids on different levels of the sure. ocean. Yeah. Mermaids that need a little bit more light. Mermaids that don't need so much light. So we're going no, to the no. depths. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. Um, so first we have, yeah. So the deep sea creatures or folk, mm -hmm. merfolk are a lot like creatures that we find down there. So they're super creepy looking. Um, there's two types that were written about in this book, and it's the merangler. I was going to say, that's <laughs> what I was thinking of. No. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an angler fish with a body and arms. It's awful. <gasps> uh-huh. But, um, and like angler fish, they have a light that attracts its prey. Um, females are said to grow six times that of a male in this species. So similar. You, I don't know what six times a male is, but Jeez, even huge. if it's a male is just a human size, that's six so times that. That's Angry great. fish? No. Human? No. no. This Absolutely is why we don't go in. Not. This is why we don't go in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it. Leave it be. <laughs> Um, um, and then there's this other one, which is much like the uncle from Luca, <laughs> because um, this one's called a mer eel, but it has no lower jaw and it just <gasps> swims with its mouth open no. and hopes that food will swim in. <laughs> just swim around with your mouth open. Sometimes Get some well crackers in your mouth. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very posted sip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yikes. Uh, there's a little note in this book that said, you know, the cultures and practices of the merfolks in the depths um, are pretty troubling. So what they do way deep down there, he literally said, it's better left unsaid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this was a kid's book or intended to be a kid's book. Yeah. Type thing. So uh -huh. I was like, I need to find what it I is. No, right. I'm curious, but I didn't go there this time. Then we've got tritons. And tritons are usually mermen. Okay. Seen in the Mediterranean Sea. And they have, they kind of remind, remind me of like a lionfish with their oh, like okay. spikies yeah. and, um, markings right and just some like kind of pointed yeah bits of fin and whatnot so they are actually said to communicate with horns oh. like we're not horns but shells yeah as and that's their form of communication with each other and other mer people interesting yeah Ooh. and of course they have tritons as well so sure. i kind of got the feeling that these were more like aggressive hmm. or protectors when I was reading this. Then the last little 
one that I have for you that is another type of mermaid is a selkie, <laughs> which aren't really mermaids, but they're fish people. So mammal people. There you go. <laughs> mammal people. <laughs> um, Love it. Actually, I want to talk about that. So all this artwork <laughs> I saw, mm -hmm. um, especially like old school mermaids, like Renaissance era paintings, Mm -hmm. All of the mermaids have belly buttons. And then I was like, wait, do they get pregnant? Like, do they grow? Like, do they get or do they lay eggs? And then I'm like, do they lactate or do they not? Because they've got boobs, too. And so I'm like, I went down a whole rabbit hole in my brain. Have you seen The Lighthouse? No. You need to watch The Lighthouse. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Yeah, I do. If this is anything related. <laughs> You just need to watch it and then we'll talk. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> it's wild. I definitely just thought it was a drama. Um it is, but it's it's really good. I mean, you've seen The Witch, right? Mm-hmm. The same guy that made The Witch. Pretty sure. This is the Don't one with Robert, me on that. Robert Pattinson? That yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna watch it now. Watch it. You piqued my interest. Mm. Um, anyway, selkies uh, are seals that can shapeshift from seal to human form. You would not be able to tell the difference between a selkie and a common seal. Mm. Literally, no no difference. They can okay. blend in. Um, they can change from human form and even have children with humans. Mm. Their offspring can either lead toward more towards the human parent or the selkie parent. However, if they wish to choose to go into the sea, they will mm. not return. And the family oh that they God. leave behind will actually never fish or eat fish again because they don't want to risk. Yeah. And, and they grieve, you know, like they don't want to risk ever hurting their family yeah. member. Right. So selkies, man. Yeah. They're their whole other episode too. Yeah. Just, all of yeah. these, I feel mm -hmm. like I could go into more on. That's where it's mm -hmm. like, it's mermaids. Yeah. With overview, wiggly fingers and confetti. Um, okay. Life of a mermaid and their locations. So when we talk about, when we talked about Fenfolk, I felt like we covered a lot of what, like their villages and towns, like what you described in that episode is a lot of what I found. Mm, so okay. underwater havens and sanctuaries, but they're described to live in coral or land formations that they've converted into dwellings. So they blend in. Okay. Um, another thing is like they, they, they might live in old shipwrecks to oh. like convert that into a dwelling. That sounds really romantic. If I was a mermaid, I'd want to live in an old shipwreck. Well, so I also read that. So this, another thing about this book is it's re it's written like real. Oh yeah. Like, like the mermaids are real. Real. Yeah. And it's not like. Okay, it's speculated in this culture, in this culture, in this. He writes it from the perspective that this is all truth and this is mm -hmm. all real history. So it's like there's one part that was like they used to wreck the ships. Oh. On purpose. Oh. To make new dwellings. Oh. But then and then he writes, but on the, the Oceanic Council frowns on this these days, you know, <laughs> something like that. So anyway, it was kind of funny, but um I guess that was a practice or a belief at some point. Okay. 
Um, some mermaids like to live alone um, and not in these cities or towns mm -hmm. and away from others and prefer to find their own cave or dwelling. Um, they're also known to hoard, hoard treasure. Um, yes, diamonds and jewels might be included, but they really like anything they find from humans, um, such as from shipwrecks or earthquakes or um, things where it's getting like trudged up in the water. And then anything they find from humans, they keep safe and covet them. So oh. aerial vibes. Right? I was going to say, it sounds very Little Mermaid. Yeah. So I was like, oh, there's some there's some truth mm -hmm. to her having like a yeah. secret cave of treasures, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there are other treasures that are specific to mermaids that can be found in their troves as well. Um, one of them is like a mirror of a mermaid. And these are said to be handed down from a gratis. Uh, no, a tar, a targatus or a targatus. I don't know how it's said. Um, when she created the first mirror with moonlight and mixed with silver. Oh. Yeah. And these tools were handed down from yeah. generation and generation on through all these mermaids. Mm -hmm. um, they are tools that are used to find sunken treasures, drowning humans. Um, they can also tell the future or Whoa. even help a mermaid do their bidding. So summon a lightning storm or windstorm or, you know, lots of things they could use with these mirrors. And it said that humans can't touch them because they would, they get sucked in and swooned by the mirror. Like they're oh. really powerful magic. Yikes. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, another thing you might find is sea bones and these can be shells, teeth, small fish bones. Um, and really similar to what's it called when you throw bones? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Rattled scratching, bones? Scritching. What is it oh, called? Oh, scrying. Scrying. I was like, yeah. scritching. <laughs> I knew you were going to think of it. I was like, <laughs> we know this word. Uh, yeah. So really similar to scrying. They can use it to predict the future and sure, yeah. um, figure things out. So there's some like witchcraft. A little bit. Yeah. With mermaids that I was not aware of. No. So now we're going to jump kind of out of this book and into some more modern times. I went on a mermaid search on TikTok. I was like, let's see who knows things about mermaids. Hashtag mermaid. Hashtag mermaid. It's actually super fucking scary. <laughs> oh, no. The one I went down the rabbit hole, I mermaid, whatever. It was just people that have those amazing silicone tails and do... Oh, the, yeah, those are great. And those yes, are great. those were mixed in here. Stuff. I found some like mermaid sighting videos. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. And there's this one. There's this one. And if you go out and search mermaid on TikTok, you can find it. It's actually really, really disturbing. It bothers me a lot. But it is like this real mermaid found on the beach. And it's like a group of people standing around her. My issue with it, though, is it looks really real. Yeah. But it's clearly 
like a human child. Oh. So it's like it was done really well. Yeah. If it's real, it's really fucking creepy. Yeah. But I really doubt that it is real. Yeah. And it bothers me that it's like this kid laying with a fake fish. And that fish tail is like, looks yes. like it's a real fish that what? was. Yeah. It's <gasps> fucked up. No. It really, it really like. But then, okay. But then the kid is also wearing like a wig. Oh, sure. So it's like black to orange colored. So it's okay. a really like kind of modern. Sure. Yeah. Looking. Yeah. Thing, right. I have issues with it. Sure. But if you're curious, you can find it on TikTok. Just search mermaid or real mermaiding. Don't like it. Anyway, so I, then I'm like in this whole conspiracy thread and there's all these mm. like mermaid sighting videos <laughs> and mm. there's one where they attach a GoPro to a shark fin and the shark's swimming around and like catches something swimming over it. No, I don't like that. Uh, yeah. So, if you'd like to join me in my terror, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> if not, don't worry about it. Um, with that being said, I did find some, like, different opinions and theories and people talking. And there was one that was these cave drawings that are 7,000 years old mm -hmm. that depict mermaids. And it shows Crazy. people walking on land. And then it shows mermaids yeah and so i was like that's cool that where is cool. let's go let's go find a not tiktok place and read about it mm -hmm. <laughs> so i was like i went to i think smithsonian and britannica mm -hmm. and the, i'm like these are pretty a little bit more reputable sources yeah and let's see what they say about it um and so they are real <gasps> um and uh, so I found the cave paint. Oh, I wrote a joke. Oh, never mind. Skip it. No, tell me your joke. If it's as good as Double O Dolphin. It's not, but. Dang it. When I took a deeper dive. Ah! Yeah, I told great. you it's not. Um, <laughs> I found that the cave paintings were actually to believe believed to be a representation of people swimming and not fish people. Oh. And so the bigger debate in the scientific community is more focused on if that area and Wadi Sura actually had water at the time because gotcha. the location is now in the Sahara Desert. So they're okay. like, they're like, would these, would this even be swimmable? Is there something? Yeah. Like, there was no water for over like 120 miles or something like that. So oh. at this or at this time. So yeah. I don't know what 7,000 years ago looked like. But mm -hmm. there are conspiracies. And this is kind of more on the TikTok side of it that suggest otherwise. So mm. it's more just the debate of like, these are just people swimming. Mm. Not, yeah. Not people. <laughs> yeah. I also read that researchers believe that manatees are the thing that is most commonly miss like mm -hmm. diagnosed is yeah. not the right word as a mermaid because they have very long flat tails yeah and there's actually also a picture of one looking from the bottom up uh-huh and it looks like they have like a knee joint you know so like their tail looks Brr. like legs almost yeah. you know 
um, which is kind of a telltale mermaid looking yeah. trait. So uh-huh. um, it said that they can be easily mistaken for mermaids because of their long fat ta- flat tail. Um, so if you think you saw a mermaid, you probably saw a manatee. <laughs> I would love to see a manatee. In this host's humble opinion. (laughs) Although there's a few on the on the webs that is I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go look, but my curiosity is also might get the better of me. Pete. Yes. But yeah, so that is what I have for you on mermaids today. You ready for a story? I'm ready. Excellent. All right. Here we go. Back to the top of my page. Oh, Jesus Christ. How many pages did you end on? A billion, million. Uh-huh. Not really that many. Just, I'm sassy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to tell you the creation story passed down from the Quiche Maya people that resided Ooh. in the area that is known today as Guatemala. <gasps> yeah, so this is our first dip into kind of Some Central America. Yeah. Nice. History I and have a side story for you really quick. Tell me. I was trying to find a topic a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I'll still do it because I've started this process. Yeah. Um, but I was going off of what was available on National Geographic through mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Because I was mm-hmm. like, I would love to have some of these topics like where they say the things for me. Especially about places that I haven't been or don't know a lot about. So yeah. Like if they say the locations, I can it. hear it. I can then And then I can read it and kind of internalize it. And so I was looking at, like, the ancient Mayans. I watched a couple documentaries on them. So it's coming, you guys. Yay! But awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm stoked. I'm ready for this. Yay! <clears throat> All right. So I did listen to a couple podcast episodes. Uh, I watched some YouTube videos. We'll have them posted on our website. There's some of them that are pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, there's one that really got me because he's like, uh, what the fuck did I get myself into? Because some of these names are it's a full mouth salad. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best. All right. Um, So the creation story passed down from the Kichemaya people is from the Popol Vuh. And Mm -hmm. When you translate that, it is translated as council book or book of the people. Um, it is not regarded by the Mayan as the word of God, um, nor as ancient scripture, but rather it's an accounting and an understanding that the Kichi people had of cosmology and creation before the coming of Christianity and the Spanish conquest in the 16th century. Gotcha. So the Popol Vuh was written, and I believe that's how it's pronounced. I've heard it pronounced as Popol Vuh, but I think it's pronounced as Popol Vuh. Okay. Um, it was written when it became very clear to the Maya people that their beliefs and practices would no longer be tolerated by their Christian conquerors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so in 2009, an archaeologist named Richard Hansen discovered two 26-foot-long, so eight meters, uh, panels carved in stucco from the site of El Mirador in Guatemala, and it depicts aspects of the Pobol Vu. Um, the panels are dated back to about 300 BCE, so about 500 years before the classic period of the Maya culture. Okay. Um, I did find a PDF translation by a man named Alan Christensen. So what my goal with this was to try to honor these ancient texts and try to give an accurate retelling. Mm -hmm. And this guy spent 25 years working with friends and colleagues to retranslate the Popol Vu, And many of them themselves are actually Maya. Um, so over the past 300 years, it's been translated approximately 30 times into seven, seven different languages. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the copy, this copy of the Pope Vu is based on the author's knowledge of the language, as well as dictionaries and grammars compiled in the last 100 years. He does have two translations available because it is not possible to translate something from one language to the other and convey what those native speakers were saying. Right. Uh, or the beauty or, you know, the feeling. It's just not possible. So he has it in right. two. He has it in an English translation to try to make it accessible to those English-speaking people. He right. also has one that is a literal translation word for word of the text. And his goal with that was to give it back to the people and have it be in schools and so that these people could actually read what their ancestors are writing, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah. No, I it language is so weird because it's like I don't I don't remember. There's a word in J Japanese. Mm -hmm. That means I'm hungry because I'm sad or I feel like eating mm -hmm. or I'm hungry because I just feel like eating. And yeah. it's just, and I'm like, wow, yeah. there are things that we just, <laughs> right. we don't have, we like, we don't have words no. for. No, that's yeah. just wild. I love mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah, it is Maya. Huh? I said Mayan people. Uh, and it's Mayan I, I've people. seen it both ways. Honestly, I, I don't know. When I was doing the research on it, I was it's like, well, I've always Maya. heard Mayan, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, yeah. why? It? But then, you know, everybody in this documentary was saying Maya. Maya. I was like, what mm -hmm. is it? And it's Maya. So I'm pretty, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the tra in the translator's preface of this Pobolvu, he talks about how he's in the mountains of Northwest Guatemala near a small village called Cahul. And he was helping to compile a dictionary in the Quiche Maya language. Um, around this time, Quiche was only really an orally communicated language with very few native speakers who could read or write it. Um, one of the evenings he's working, he loses track of time and he realizes like, oh, shit, it's really late. I have to get all the way down to the valley. I have to go down the mountain before it gets dark. This is in a region where there's no electricity. And he said that there's packs of wild dogs and a lot of them are rabid roaming around these mountains. So he's like, I got to get home. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Yeah. I got to get out of here. So he starts down the valley towards this little house that he has. And about a third of the way down the mountain, he passes a small isolated um, thatch house. And there's a group of men that are seated outside the house and they wave him over and they all have, they all exchange greetings. And he's offered a cup of warm toasted corn coffee and is offered a seat. So they ask him if he's the one that the people have taken to call to calling Mosquito Legs, who is visiting the area. And he's like, yeah, that's me. 
I must keep legs. <laughs> and he explains to them that he's there to collect the words of this man's people so that he can carry them back with him to his own town across the mountains and bring those words back. So the men don't understand. He's like, the words of my father. He's like, no, no, no. The words of your father's fathers, their father's fathers, like your ancestors. And so he, they didn't realize that it was possible to use phonetic letters to record their own language. So he explains in this book what a terrible tragedy it is because up until about 500 years ago, the Maya were the most literate people in the Americas. They mm -hmm. preserve their histories and cultures with very sophisticated hieroglyphic scripts in hundreds of folded books. And when the Spanish conquest happened in the 16th century, the Christian missionaries came in and they burned all of their texts in mm -hmm. an attempt to eradicate these indigenous religious practices. So they, the Spanish realized that to preserve any record of the literacy, the literary history of the indigenous peoples constituted an intolerable danger to their own political and religious dominion of that region. And the best way to go about that was to suppress cultural memory. The best <gasps> way to do that was to burn and destroy all of their writings, yeah. their hieroglyphs, their carvings, all of that. Oh it's my awful. God. Uh... Yeah. So soon after the Spanish conquest, the literate members of the Highland Maya nobility made a number of transcripts of their pre-Columbian books using a modified Latin script in an effort to preserve what they could of their history and their oral traditions and their culture before mm -hmm. it was destroyed or lost. And that is the most common example of this is the transcription of the Popol Vuh. Okay. So the native scribes were singled out for for persecution to such an extent that within 100 years the art of hieroglyphic writing had virtually disappeared from the maya people um the authors of the popol Vuh do not name themselves they refer to themselves as we there's mm -hmm. never any names um so as this man alan christensen is talking to these new friends that he's made he realizes that there is no way i'm going to make it down the mountain so the owner of the home agrees to let him sleep in his corn loft and before the friends that he has over, they depart before they depart for the evening, Christensen asks if they would like to hear some of the words of their fathers. He pulls out his copy of the Popol Vuh manuscript, and it's it was actually written in a town that still exists less than 30 miles away from where they were currently sitting, which I thought was so cool. So he reads a page or two from the from the account of the creation of the earth which I'm going to tell you, and he stops, and he just kind of watches them. No one says anything. Finally, the oldest man asks if he can hold it. And so he's holding it in his hands, and he's turning the pages, and he asks, these are the words of my ancient fathers? And Christian responds, yes. And the man responds, do you know what you've done for them? You make them live again by speaking their words. I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> So the author goes on to state that the written word has the power to survive the death of its author to preserve the most pre to preserve the most precious souvenirs of human existence, thought, hopes, ideals, and acquaintance with the sacred. We tend to take writing for granted. The Maya did not. 
the ability to write words and have them preserved long after the death of the author is a miracle. So that's kind of the history of this manuscript, a little bit of the history of the my people. Um, so I'm going to see how much of this we can get through. It's probably not going to be, well, this is probably going to be a multi-parter because the book is really long. And there's a lot of really cool stories in here. Okay. Um, and like I said in advance, this is a full mouth salad. <laughs> that that is my new favorite expression you've ever, ever said to me. Uh, yeah, it's it's a full thing. So um, I'm probably going to fuck some of it up. Uh, my apologies in advance. Um, but this is the Popol Vuh. It starts with a preamble and it says, this is the beginning of the silent tradition of this place called Kiche. Here we shall begin to tell the ancient stories of the beginning, the origin of all that was done in the citadel of Kiche among the people of the Kiche nation. Here we shall gather the manifestation, the declaration, the account of the sewing and the dawning of the framer, the shaper, she who has born children and he who has begotten sons along with Hunapu possum and Hunapu coyote, great white peccary, which is a wild pig, uh, and Cody. Thank you. Co I think Cody, which is kind of like an anteater, but a lot cuter, has like a flexible nose. Oh, cute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sovereign and Quetzal Serpent, Heart of Lake and Heart of Sea, Creator of the Green Earth and Creator of the Blue Sky, as they were called. These collectively are evoked and given expression as the midwife and the patriarch, whose names are Shpiakok and Shmukane, the protector and the shelterer, twice midwife and twice twice patriarch as they are called in kiche traditions they gave voice to all things and accomplished their purpose in purity of being and in truth okay i'm going to try to make this make sense before we get into the story because as i was reading this i had no idea what was going on you're like wait a minute Stop. yeah yeah it was kind of crazy all right so the list of deities that i just word bombed it at you really fast they're always arranged in pairs and the female is typically listed before the male the so the kiche believed that they were the ones that participated in the creation at the beginning of time uh the list consists not only of the names of separate gods but also their titles and secondary names so it makes it a lot more confusing and hard to figure out like who the hell we're talking about so the framer and the shaper, um, these are two separate beings, and they don't ever really have any other names, um, but it's the framer is just someone that puts things together. The shaper is someone that makes things kind of like out of modeling clay, right? Like mm -hmm. you have some, like a potter or um, a person that would make carvings out of stone. That okay. kind of deal. Okay? Got it. He who has begotten sons and she who has born children are titles for the divine couple that we will meet um, Shmukane, which is the mother, and Shpiakak, which is the father. Okay. Now they have their titles, which are Hunapu Possum, Hunapu Possum, and Hunapu Coyote. Um, a great white pe peccary, which is a pig, which is a name for Shpiakak, mm -hmm. and the the anteater animal looking dude mm -hmm. is um, the I think it's Quadi. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, um, is another name for Shmukani. Okay. Uh, then there's Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent. And the Quetzal Serpent is both a bird and a serpent. Um, so the Quetzal bird is one of the most beautiful birds in the world. Mm -hmm. And 
the males and female birds have brightly colored iridescent blue and green feathers on their wings, tail, their crest, and their breast is this bright crimson. Um, the male quetzal tail feathers were highly prized by Maya royalty for their beauty um, and size. They were usually like three feet in length. Huge. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, big so bird. The, yeah. Well, I'm not sure if they were bigger, if they just had big tail feathers. I'm not sure oh. if they were a size of like a parrot, like a macaw. I'm not sure. I didn't look that up. Well, I'm trying to have pictures. Um, so I the mean, aerodynamics, I feel like they'd have to match up. Did they fly? I'm assuming, yeah. Oh, let's look at it real fast. So... I'll put it on mistakes. But they have really, they kind of look probably like the size of a smaller than a macaw, probably. Maybe like the size of a crow, maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay. I'm guessing. But they have really long tail feathers. Tail feathers. Tail feathers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the blue-green of their feathers represents the sky and vegetation, which are both symbols of life. The red breast represented fire, um, which was the force that quickens life. The serpent was a common Maya symbol for a generation and rebirth because snakes shedding their skin. Um, mm -hmm. They would reveal a newer and brighter one. So combining the most beautiful bird, a.k.a. the lord of the sky, with the most beautiful snake, a.k.a. the lord of the earth, and the underworld, gives this god power over all levels of the Maya universe. Ooh, so cool. Yeah. So this is Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent. Quetzal? Am I saying that right? I said it so much that I'm not sure I'm saying it right anymore. Yeah, it sounds right to me. Quetzal. But I know Quetzal. Because I kept saying it with a – like more the Q sound was mm -hmm. harder. Yeah. Okay. Quetzal. All right. Um, so there's Heart of Lake and Heart of Sea, which is also likely titles for Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent. Um, they embody the inward powers of large standing bodies of water. Okay. There's the Creator of Green Earth and Creator of the Blue Sky, which is also likely titles for Shbiakok and Shmukani, which translate to Blue Green Plate, referring to the surface of the earth. And then the Blue Green Bowl refers to the arch sure. of the sky as an inward bowl. Yeah. Ooh, right. Um, the protector and shelter, as well as midwife and patriarch, are titles for Shmukani and Shpiakok. Um, all right, so now we're gonna go down to the primordial world. Ooh, yeah. So it starts by saying, This is the account of when all is still silent and placid, all is silent and calm, hushed and empty is the womb of the sky. There is not one person, one animal, bird, fish, crab, tree, rock, hollow canyon, meadow, or forest. All alone the sky exists. The face of the earth has not yet appeared. Alone lies the expanse of the sea along with the womb of all the sky. All alone are the framer and the shaper, sovereign and Quetzal serpent. They who have born children and they who have begotten sons. So we've got they're always in pairs. They're always in couples. So we have the two and then the other two. Um, so they're just hanging out in the water. They're stunning. They're beautiful. And they're luminous. And they're wrapped in these beautiful Quetzal feathers. So they're also great sages. They have all of this knowledge. And above them in the sky is Heart of Sky, who also goes by Hurricane, which might mean one leg, or it might mean one of a kind, or it might be referring to the eye of a hurricane um because it's always revolving right kind of is that endless repetitive cycle of birth and destruction 
Right. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. So Heart of Sky and Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent get together and they start chatting and they're thinking and they're pondering and they're talking and they're like, how can we, how can we make this? Like, how can we bring together our words and our thoughts? And so they give birth and they're heartening one another. So beneath the light, they give birth to humanity, but they're not actually humans yet. They're just, I think they're more, they're more gods or they're more demigods. I'm not sure. Got it. Um, but those born will arrange for the germination and creation of the trees and bushes and the germination of all life and creation. So firstborn is Thunderbolt Hurricane. The second is youngest Thunderbolt. And the third is sudden Thunderbolt. Wow. So these three gods comprise the power of the sky, symbolizing various aspects of the Thunderbolt. Right. They join forces with Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent and Heart of Sky. And together they conceive light and life. So mm -hmm. they make the earth. And they say earth and earth appears. It just... It's immediately Oof. created. Yeah. So they call forth mountains from the water and they make valleys and they create cypress groves and pine forests and it covers the entire face of the earth. And Quetzal Serpent's looking around and they're like, this is amazing. Look at what we've made. Like, it's so beautiful. And she's there because I'm not sure. Um, they're telling them, you know, I'm so glad that everyone's here because all of this is just beautiful. And so they then made the animals of the mountains, the guardians of the forest. Um, and the Kiche believe that the wild animals of the forest serve as the guardians and caretakers for the gods of the earth. Okay. They made the deer, the birds, the puma and the jaguar, the serpent, which is a boa constrictor, um, the rattlesnake, the pit viper, which is a... I think it's called the yellow something, yellow mouth something. Anyway, it's like super poisonous. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Um, and these are the guardian of the bushes. So they make home for the they make homes for the deer, which is along the courses of the rivers and in the canyons, the meadows, and the orchards, and in the forests, they'll multiply. The birds' homes will be in the tops of trees and bushes. And then she who has born children, which is Shmukani, mm -hmm. um, and he who has begotten sons, Shbiakok, says to the deer and the birds, speak, call. Don't moan or cry out, like speak to each other according to your kind. Speak our names, worship us, for we are your mother and your father. Say this, therefore, hurricane, youngest thunderbolt and sudden thunderbolt, heart of sky and heart of earth, framer and shaper, she who has born children and he who has begotten sons, speak, call upon us, worship us. But they don't succeed because they're animals and they don't speak like people. They only squawked, and chattered and roared like animals. Right. Their speech is unrecognizable. And when they heard this, the framer and shaper look at each other and they say, their speech did not turn out well. <laughs> this did not go as planned. <laughs> it did not go as planned. So I wanted to make a quick, like, side note. I love the way that the gods are portrayed in this because most Christian portrayals of God is he is in infallible. He's perfect. He's never wrong. Yep. And this, they mess up. They mess up on their first attempt. They also mess up on their second attempt and their third attempt. So it, you know, they're not perfect. They do this great job, but they don't get it quite right. Like the animals are amazing, but they're not, 
able to worship like they want them to. So they're like, mm, you're going to be replaced and your calling now is to have your flesh eaten. This <laughs> is service. Yeah. <laughs> so they decide to try to make humans again. And the, this time the framer and the shaper and she who was born children and, and he who has begotten sons give it a go and they make a person out of mud. But immediately they see that's not going to work because the mud just dissolves and falls apart. It doesn't have a neck. Its face is all weird. Like it can't, it can talk, but it's like gibberish. Interesting. Yeah. So the framer and the shaper look at each other and they're like, oh, we made a mistake. It can't walk. It can't worship us. So we're just going to leave it behind as a thing of no importance. So they're thinking and they're trying to decide how to make something that will succeed and bear fruit, something that will worship us and that will call upon us. So the framer and shaper, as well as Hurricane and, and Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent, all go to Shpiakok and Shmukani, which are kind of depicted as like grandparents. Okay. Um, and they ask them to help by trying a divination, a shaping. So they perform this divination ceremony and they cast grains of maize and seeds of the coral tree. And they say, may it be discovered. May it be found. Say it. Our ears hear you. Speak. Tell it. May the trees be found that it is that is to be carved and chiseled out by the framer and the shaper. May these effigies of wood come out well. May they speak. May they communicate there upon the face of the earth. May it be so. So after they speak this ceremony, um, the effigies of wood dolls kind of are carved out of wood. Okay. So they look like people. They have the appearance of people. And they populate the entire face of the earth. Um, Whoa. Yeah. They bear sons and daughters, but they don't possess minds or hearts. They don't remember their framer or their shaper. They walk without purpose. It says they crawled on their hands and knees and did not remember heart of sky. Um, oh. It was an experiment. It was an attempt at people. It says they don't have any blood or blood flow, which blood flow was like referring to your menstrual cycle. Um, they don't sweat. Their faces were masks, which the Kiche people considered the face to be the symbol of your personality or the essence Who of you the are. person. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So because it says that they had masks, it was kind of like they weren't real people. Like that's yeah. this is your clue that this is not right. Um, their arms and legs were stiff, their bodies were rigid, and because of all these things, they were not capable of learning or growing in knowledge. Yeah. So they can't worship how the gods want them to. And Heart of Sky is like, we're going to have a flood. Like in every other culture, yes. there's going to be a flood. It, that is so... I, yeah. And this is... there's even, like, I think Zeus and... Um, fuck, what's his name? Prometheus build the first men out of mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's, it's, it's just... fascinating. It's so cool. It's just suspect. It is a little suspect. All right. So then came the one, the ones called the chiselers, the chiselers of faces who gouged out their eyes. Death knives came and cut off their heads. And then came crouching jaguar who ate their flesh or I guess their wood. Then came yeah. <laughs> their flesh. I don't know. What do you call it? Ate their wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're tree people. <laughs> I get it. I just you went a different direction that I was trying not to go. 
Just a touch. Uh, then came striking Jaguar, who struck them, breaking their bones and their tendons. Their bones were ground up and broken into pieces. Their faces were ground up because they are incapable of understanding before the face of their mother and the face of their father, Heart of Sky. There was a storm so severe that the entire sky was darkened with clouds and the animals came upon them. And then their household items turned on them and crushed their faces. Yeah. What? Their dogs and turkeys turned on them and said to them, pain you have caused us. You ate us. Therefore, it will be you that we will eat now. What? Yeah. Oh, so the no. people made of wood tried to get away. So they climbed up on top of their houses and their houses would collapse. They tried to climb up on the tops of trees, but the trees wouldn't support them. They tried to hide in caves, but the caves closed up in their faces mm -hmm. and they were demolished and overthrown as people. Uh, and it's, it's said that the descendants of them is actually spider monkeys. Oh. Yeah. So that is the destruction of the wood people. Okay. So at this point in the Popovu, the author sidetracks and actually goes back before the destruction of the wooden people and tells the story of Seven Macaw and the okay. Hero Twins, which I'm going to actually tell you about next time. No. Yep. It can't be time. Oh, my God. We're already an hour. Yep. That's why I'm going to tell you about minutes. it next time. I know. No, I was. I know. It's so good. And the next stories are just i can't wait so i can't good. wait <laughs> oh. yeah they're crazy <laughs> so yeah. i love i mean crazy turn of events here but i love learning about new i know stories it's that is so a crazy cool. turn of events yeah oh. so old so yeah so one of the documentaries i was watching on the ancient maya was this one where they were trying to find um like old buildings oh essentially yeah. right mm -hmm. and they just developed this new technology that uses pretty much like sonar from the sky mm -hmm. and reflects down and comes back up but they can now get around trees so That's when amazing. they do it they can see where yeah. there are land structures. That's so cool. That you literally couldn't find in this jungle. You no. unless you were on your feet. Right. Trekking a lot through of trekking. Yeah. A jungle. And you could miss it. You could miss it. Oh, and it's covered. I mean, it's yeah. covered in jungle. And there's dangerous shit in the jungle. Yeah. So there it's like all of these, you know, scientists nerds who were like That's have so studied cool. the Maya people their whole life. And now there's this new technology that is literally pinpointing That's amazing. these old temples and burial places that are like, they're like, we've been looking right here. And it yeah. was right here. It like. That's amazing. Wild. So I That's feel like so we're going to cool. have so much more yeah. like, information come out about the Maya <gasps> people. Amazing. In, oh you know, God, the next so 10 cool. years or so, I think, because they're just, they're finding shit left and right now. That's amazing. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's so cool. Ah! Yay. I'm so excited. Let's go. Okay. Thank you for listening to us this week. We love you so much. So um, much. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, we share information about the show. 
we share things about books we're reading. We do teasers of episodes on TikTok. And um, we're actually also recapping old episodes so we can bring in more people to find us and be our curious friends. Because we want them all. If you heard anything that might not be quite right, or if you have more information on it, please feel free to send us an email at morethanmythspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to just say, hey, that's also cool too. Send us an email. (laughs) Uh, Wherever you podcast, we also podcast. You can follow and subscribe. Um, If you have time, you can leave us a review, which is really helpful. Just gives gives the podcast just a little bump. Let's other curious friends find us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And as always, if you love us, my kids are trying to break it. If you love (laughs) us, tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your mama. Tell your mom. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.